We're the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We wouldn't swerve you. Hello everybody, my name is Rory McNamara, welcoming you to our final WCW show of 1999. Ah, yes, we got there. December, Starcade, all sorts of other stuff. We need, need, contractually obliged to wrap up. I have with me for the second month in a row, World Championship Wrestling, Chris Lacey. Chris, what's happening? Bro. <laughs> Been away for nearly five years and now two months in a row at this time you're joining us. Well, as as we said, you know, everyone has to do their stint. I'm getting mine in, in now. Will we have it back afterwards? We will find out. Other shows coming up for you in December of 1999. We have our WWF show where we will be tackling the Armageddon pay-per-view at ECW with Mr. Lacey looking at all the TV developments. And we have our end of year review slash award show Word of warning, if you haven't listened to that one yet, I would remove anything breakable from anywhere nearby. You'll know why when you hear it. But this is very much World Championship Wrestling for December 1999. As we hop into the time machine, Mr. Lacey, let's have some news headlines. Starcade. Controversy. Yes, this again. So you might... I might be lurking on the back of your head. Do you remember November 1997 Survivor Series pay-per-view? Does that ring a vague bell, Mr. Lacey? They've, they've not been going on about it for the past two years. Yes, yeah, so I could barely recall that I had to do some serious research for it to even minorly click in my head. But very handily, Vince Russo and co, they've only done it again for us at Starcade 99, their main event of their biggest pay-per-view. Yes, with I believe I've got this right, with Bret Hart as Shawn Michaels, with Bill Goldberg as Bret Hart, and Roddy frickin' Piper as Vince McMahon, sort of. They recreated the Montreal finish for everybody who wanted to see it recreated. All one person. Completely negating everything that happened in the previous week, months, building up to the Bret Goldberg match. They then went even one step further by doing Brett Goldberg again on free TV, leading to the formation of the New World Order for the 10 zillionth time. More on that later. The rest of Starcade was, despite the card, which looked promising on paper. Now, we know the difference between promising and delivering World Championship Wrestling these days. You'll know exactly what we're talking about, but we'll still break it down for you very shortly indeed. An internal power struggle at WCW... This doesn't oh. happen. <laughs> All the surprises. Yes. Once more, uh, it's Vince Russo fighting for power with Kevin Sullivan. Yes, he's still around. Uh, from the PW Torch, sources say the fighting began when Sullivan took a shot at Russo by noting that the ratings haven't exactly skyrocketed since Russo took over as the top writer. And just to break away for a second, he is correct. If you look at the ratings we have for December, they're all hovering around the 2.8 to 3.2 mark, not pulling up many trees. Over half behind what WWF are doing at this time. Uh, the Torch received conflicting reports on Russo's response. Either mind your own business or fuck off. The tender is the same either way. Sullivan has aligned himself politically with the likes of Craig Leathers and Annette Yothers, who are not friends of Vince Russo. Kevin Nash, because you know you're waiting for that name to come up, is said to be playing both sides of the fence, waiting to align himself with either group until one shows true signs of long-term power. Yes, I am stunned too. Nash has been tight with Sullivan in the past and is said to be responsible for helping Sullivan get a substantial pay rise while Bischoff was the VP. 
Sullivan believes he has Bill Bush's ear and has been quick to point out flaws he sees in Russo's booking style. But as we record this, Vince Russo is still the top dog with no signs of being shunted out. And talking about Happy Cunt, he wants to bring in the Warrior and Bruno San Martino. The Warrior and Bruno San Martino. Ultimate Warrior came in last year. You might have done your best to eviscerate that from your memories, but it did happen. We have archives that prove it. But for some reason, Russo wants to bring him back again. They've been in discussions, apparently. And morbid fascination it might be. I would quite like to hear what those conversations actually entailed. Because Russo, here we are as we move into the year 2000, thinks that Warrior is a conversational style. I quote, still has something to offer. Just let that one hang in the air. And I'm, I know, right? And Bruno as well. You, you can tell that Russo was a fan in the Northeast many years ago. But Bruno and Warrior. I'm going to say if, this now, okay? Probably not the answer. Chris, just briefly. If they turn up, enjoy that car crash. <laughs> tag team champions by the end of January you heard it here first so Goldberg bigger than Austin officially yep he's been coming all this time for the last two years and that's it now no debate Goldberg is bigger than Steve Austin and The Rock and any other wrestler you care to mention because he was listed in the Dizzy Heights at 87th place in Sporting News' 100 most powerful people in sports as the only wrestler on the list listed ahead of the likes of Michael Jordan and Bob Costas. It's probably here due to his football background, but hey, who's really counting? Uh, who was number one, Chris? Do you know? I would have reckoned... Is this a US-only list, or does it... I believe so, yes. Because it's like, if it's all world sports, Brand Beckham may have been making a, mm-hmm. a knock into it, you know, with you know, how pretty everyone loves Mr. David Beckham. But obviously, American-only sports, not a clue. Tiger Woods. Uh, I suppose, yeah, he is he's ripping up all those golf tournaments. And he has some games named after him. So, Goldberg, serious injury, which was self-inflicted. You uh, do it yes. to yourself. That's what really hurts. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, can't get the stink out it's been hanging around for day anyway yes he just missed what happens on the show somebody music reference I have to sing the first line but yes uh, very serious news here Goldberg was hospitalised after the edition of Thunder on December the 23rd after punching his hand through a glass window during an angle to try to get to the new NWO who were hiding out in a car uh, the camera actually called for him to use a sledgehammer uh-huh, but there wasn't one available so it settled on a lead pipe but he had mislaid it shortly before they started shooting. So, as they were going out live, pal, he punched his way directly into the car, shattering his arm badly, damaging his tenders and tearing muscle. The latest prognosis we have is he came one centimetre and one centimetre alone from outright losing his arm for the price of 31.5 litres of blood. It, it was a messy, messy bit, especially when he smashes his hand on the hood of the car. And it's like, I suppose if, you know, you fucked yourself, it makes look, make it look good. You see, when he puts his hand on the front of the car instantly, in milliseconds, the front of the car reamed 
in blood. So, you know, he's seriously fucked up there. So Goldberg, I was going to say get well soon. Maybe being away from proceedings might not be the worst place to be at this point in time. But um, self-inflicted or not, I think we need you back as soon as we can, Bill. But we will talk about what you did or what you were forced to do in December, starting now. your pay-per-view match with David Flair right here! You know, it's funny. You leave for eight weeks and you can't believe the rumors that start up. (laughs) The recent rumor I've heard was Diamond Dallas Page wanted out of his contract with WCW. Not only, the rumors said, that I wanted out of my contract with WCW, but I wanted out of my contract with WCW because I wanted to go to WWE. Rumors. Real deal is, Paige is, you leave with who brought you to the dance. Bottom line is, it's about loyalty. It's about doing the right thing. But lately, people who are really close to me ain't been doing the right thing. And they sure as hell ain't been loyal. So now, DDP is out for number one again. I trust no one. And once again, that works for me. Powers to be, you want me to work for you tonight? Get Big Sid out here so we can blow this mother out! So that was Diamond Dallas Page cutting a promo towards the end of the first Nitro of the month in which he was making reference to internet rumours. Yes, those again. That he was in conversations with the WWF. Now, it has been alleged that backstage... DDP brought this up himself and was bragging to anybody who would listen that the WWF had got in contact with him. Okay. Obviously, this has never been alluded to, and nor would it be on WCW TV at all. But because it happened backstage and was talked about on the internet, Chris, they took up two minutes of TV time having DDP building for his match against Sid by making reference to these and also by dropping the name WWF in doing so, because that is really, really cool. I could have picked a zillion examples of on, excuse me, of on stage occurrences, which make reference to backstage developments. It's very much Russo's stock in trade. But, um, I really didn't like this one uh, because it's not something we should know about as fans. It didn't advance any storylines. And it was just for the benefit of one person. What did you think of this? I, I don't get why you bring up your competition. Um, it's something else that That's the thing, we'll right? probably speak about later on when we're doing the Starcade review and sort of post Starcade, where they openly talk about the fucking Montreal screw job. You are meant to be different from your competition. Be better than them. Don't speak about them. The Fed don't do it. ECW can get away with it when you get someone that turns up in ECW that was badly used in the Fed or in, EC, in WCW and they can go, 
he was X in WWF, but now he's our guy and now he's him and now you're seeing the real version of him. That they they are the little engine that can so that sort of makes a bit more sense. The Fed and WCW were meant to be the big boys and two completely separate entities. You don't go around talking about shit that may be happening or has happened a few years ago on your opponent's TV. It didn't work for them last year or earlier in the year when they said about Foley winning the title and the famous butts on seats. And they've not learned from it. Is it just going to talk about the ratings that aren't many people left to do it, but isn't it just going to persuade people to turn the channel? WCW at this point should not be reminding people of WWF's existence, because if they do press the up and down arrow on their remote control, they're going to be treated to something very different and far superior to what they're getting on TNT at this point. Right. What I think they were going for here specifically was DDP saying, ah, but WWF want me. I've been telling everybody in the know that they want me, but hey, I'm going to stay here, which would be all the right enough, I guess. If he then didn't spend the last minute saying how he's going to be a lone wolf and he's only out for himself. If he's only out for himself, then what loyalty do you have to World Championship Wrestling anyway? It's yet another example, and we'll be talking about them more as we go on, of a certain somebody pulling the strings backstage and just adding too much fuel to a particular fire. You can have DDP go out there in 30 seconds say, there's been some rumours about me, but guess what? I'm staying here. That's fine. But you just have to add extra stuff to it, making sure he name drops WWF, as you rightly say, Chris, as Eric brought up too last month. It feels every skit and segment, they have to make reference to the competition. Well, if you carry on like this, they're not going to be competition for much longer, if indeed they are at any point now anyway. The distance between the two being so great both in terms of output and quality. Look, I only represent the best that Hollywood has to offer. What can you do? I can do everything. I can sing, I can dance, I can do anything. Dance. I can dance, I can do that. I can do it. Hey, hey, come here, what? I heard you say that you dance. I can dance, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got some dance for you. I think you're gonna be interested in here. of the WWF I'm doing it now just before we get to the Starcade pay-per-view you've heard the Ronda Singh talking to somebody by the name of Jay Biggs who you might remember as Clarence Mason good to see him back on our screens uh, he's now an agent I think and she was telling him that she could dance or something like that I didn't quite get the gist of it we didn't get enough time and then Chavo Guerrero turned up 
We didn't mention this last month, but now's a good good as opportunity as any to. Chavo Guerrero is a very talented wrestler. Maybe not as exciting as a style should be, but I'd much rather watch him in the ring rather than walking around backstage with a briefcase playing the role of a salesman. He's the American Del Boy. America, yeah. No, the Mexican Del Boy. He's a bit dodgy because he's Mexican, you see, Chris. Uh, Mexican, you see? That's oh, what I like, deep, bro. Steep. You've got to watch him. <laughs> so he just happened to have some dancing gear in his briefcase, which Ronda was able to purchase. Then a couple of minutes later, during a Nitro Girls dance, because they do still do that occasionally, she interrupted and she, not to put too fine a point on it, waved her belly around a bit. Because she's fat, see? <laughs> so, Chris, two things here. One, all the things that World Championship Wrestling have done over the last couple of months, I suppose it's time for a bit of fat shaming now, too, as if we didn't have everything else. And secondly, the Nitro Girls heavily getting involved in storylines ever since Vince Russo came up. To the point, and I can't say I really blame them on this, they have actually gone to management and said that their contract should be renegotiated because they are now getting involved in skits and storylines and the like. But they should now be treated as full talent. No laughing at the back. And have their contracts amended to include more zeros accordingly. There's even talk of the Nitro goals as a conglomerate going to the WWF. I'm not sure they'd necessarily be used better there. But anyway, the two things here, Chris. One, fat shaming on our screens because that's really cool and funny, isn't it? And two, the Nitro girls doing all this stuff. So we've had it for the past couple of months with the Nitro girls just being in stuff. Obviously, Spice being with Medusa and Evan Courageous and the bullshit backstage stuff of them just fighting each other and having food fights and stuff it doesn't need to be done get it off my tv and you know it's good to see bertha phase back ron singh is a very very underrated female wrestler but this isn't what she should be doing i get it you know it's tv and you know probably getting a fairly decent chunk of change but it's it's just fucking just everything that i hate about dickhead Russo in full dickhead Russo mode you know last month we had the whole thing with him having the filthy animals we going around with the backstage cameras spying yeah because of course you know we did that in the fed before it's it's a retread of all the shit that was awful in the fed and all those really really shit bits that he did in the in the lower mid card, which obviously was his domain in the Fed, which obviously Vince wasn't, Vince McMahon, should we say, just to clarify which, who I'm on about, would have said, no, no, we're not doing that in the main event, guys. We're not doing that with this guy. But he didn't care two pierces in the undercard. Here, because he has no master and no filter and no one to say no to him, this is why we're getting this shit. Because this we segment do not need it. Nobody. We don't. This segment benefited nobody. It was, what, 20 seconds? You can say, yes, only 20 seconds. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. You've got to have something which is going to persuade, desperately persuade somebody to keep watching or to change the channel too. And you know, Rhonda Singh joining the Nitro Girls because she's fat. Ha, 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 ha. All that for 20 seconds. But as you say, 
hugely underrated talent. You know, look at her resume. She's been there, done it. You've got her on your books. You could do something proper with her, but she's just cheap, unfunny, insulting comedy fodder. Oh, so depressing. We've only been going for 15 minutes and only now are we really getting into the meat of the matter, Chris, with the Starcade 1999 pay-per-view. Oh, let's have the results then. So the FBI, I'm sorry, I mean the Marmalukes, <laughs> beat Big Vito and Johnny the Bull with Tony Marinara, uh, defeated Lash LaRue and Disco Inferno. Medusa defeated Evan Courageous, who was with Spice for the Cruiserweight title. Norman Smiley defeated Ming in the hardcore title match. The Revolution of Douglas, Malenko, Saturn and Asia defeated Jim Duggan. And the returning, oh shit, is it 1989? The Varsity Club are back with Kevin Sullivan, Mike Redunda and Rick Steiner with Leia Meow. Vampiro with the Misfits defeated Steve Williams by a disqualification, which then meant that Vampiro with the Misfits had five minutes with Oklahoma. Creative Control, with Kurt Henning, defeated Harlem Heat, which was Stevie Ray and Booker T and Midnight. Jeff Jarrett defeated Dustin Rhodes in a bunkhouse brawl. DDP defeated David Flair in a crowbar on a pole match. Sting, with Elizabeth, defeated shitbag Lex Luger. Kevin Nash defeated Sid Vicious in a powerbomb match. Benoit defeated Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match for the US title. And Bret Hart defeated Goldberg. It's officially um, put as a submission victory. But yeah. But yeah. Chris, your opening thoughts on Starcade 99. Well, it, it's been my moniker for, for a very, very long time. Give me bad. I'll enjoy bad. Bad can be funny. Do not give me boring. And fuck me, was this boring. Was there not enough bad for you either? The thing is, it would have been fine if, you know, just one match had a shady, shitty finish. But when every match has interference and a shady, shitty finish, what's bad about it then gets boring. So when the bad gets boring, you have this. I hear you, bro. So when you look at this card and the matches on it, whether or not you're a fan of the people involved, just just look at the matches here. Brett versus Goldberg. Luger versus Sting. Yes, Nash versus Sid. And even the match we ended up getting, Benoit versus Jarrett. You look at those on paper and you're like, yeah, that's pay-per-view level. Look again and think, yeah, not only pay-per-view level, that is a grade level, i.e. Starcade. And then you end up watching the thing, which we are now going to do with you. So from the MCI Centre yet again, I should say the attendance here was only 8,500. That's half of what they managed to pull for Starcade 97, diminishing returns and all that. And our commentary team are Tony, Bobby and Scott Hudson. Right, before we properly get going on this, I should tell you that I must have somehow come by a playable demo of the Millennium Bug, because to use the technical parlance, my laptop went bang, and I have lost the notes for the first two matches. So, we're going to hurriedly get through these ones. 
So with my notes having gone bye-bye for the first two matches, we'll bash through these fairly quickly, but no bad thing. So the Marmalukes of the team Big Vito and Johnny the Bull were facing Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue. Uh, the build-up for this one included a lot of tarring and feathering and all that sort of game. I thought this one was quite decent. Big Vito himself looked okay. Johnny the Bull was a rather standard-issue big man. It looked as though the good guys were going to get the victory, but Disco Inferno did the old blind stunner routine, accidentally hitting LaRue with it. Leading Big Vito to hit a very nice spinning lifting DDT on DDT on Lash LaRue to win the match. And afterwards, a body bag was brought into play as well. I wanted to climb into it myself, although this was actually one of the better matches, I thought. Chris, your first thoughts? Uh, it was a shit opener. We're used to WWE opening pay-per-views properly with cruiserweight matches, exciting, high-part, you know, high-action matches. You know, even last month we got the Benoit Jarrett match to open, you know, something to get your teeth in to get you going. This was just dull, slow, stupid finish, pointless match, and you know they can't even do the FBI properly. I would rather watch. Little Guido and Big Sally than these fucks. I see the FBI finally made you change your mind on Tommy Rich. That's that's the skills they had. Exactly. This this is it's just awful. It's so just oh let's do pretend gangsters it with awful talent. I don't know whether Marinara is actually a wrestler or just someone that Russo knows and you know wants to have a TV job but it it's just dull as fuck yeah we went a lot into this or the reasons for these uh the storyline last month so i don't really want to dwell on it again here but when you compare it to the fbi you know the fbi were just knowing you were in on it this is just doing 50 60 70 year old italian american stereotypes are so much russo stuff just for the sake of it. And I'm glad my laptop didn't record the notes I made for this match. Uh, one more of those to go before normal service is resumed. And that is the match between Medusa and Evan Courageous for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Hang on, I hear you cry. Weren't Medusa and Evan Courageous a couple just a week before this? Yes, they were. But a week is a long time in sports entertainment, bro. Uh, match only went a few minutes. was quite back and forth. Medusa gave as good as she got. One thing she did get was a sick, disgusting powerbomb. It was virtually a cancer bomb by Evan just towards the end. Right on the back of her head, it was horrible. Uh, he went for a frying clothesline outside, and then Spice, who was actually accompanying him, performed a low blow because the first of many, many swerves today. Want to get them out the way early. Medusa then pinned Courageous with her old favourite German suplex to win the match and the title, Chris. See, this was just really, really messy. Um, obviously, we know what Medusa can do. We've seen her do it, obviously, back in the day when she was Alundra Blaze. And obviously, uh, there's some Japanese stuff that she's done. She should be crisp, but I don't know whether it was the fact of ring rust and she hasn't been in the ring properly in ages and done it properly, or whether it's Evan. But it was just really sloppy, really messy. I expect and would hope for better than this. And the whole, oh, girl power shit at the end because you know Evan Courageous what a dick just, just no just no far be it for me to try to make sense of this stuff but hey I'm going in 
So Evan Courageous, the whole point he and Medusa were fighting and were no longer together is because he was dicking around with Spice, supposedly, right? Yeah. So Spice, we now find out when she turned on him during the match to help Medusa win the belt. So she was nicking Medusa off him just to help Medusa win the Cruiserweight title? That's that's where that sort of, you know, is trying to go. Is that... Dichotomy between love and possessions, anybody? Uh, uh, just, it's Why did I just... try to even think about this? Why, why did I just yeah. go with it? Uh, you know, sometimes just say no. <laughs> I would find it hard to say no to Spice, personally, but... Uh... I'm only human. Right, let's get back to normal. My notes are back picked up. And what better match to do play-by-play for than a hardcore match between Norman Smiley and Meng? Uh, Okay, Norman brings a bit of plunder with him, but Meng sees that one coming and runs him over with it. Bobby calls Meng a weapon himself, which, if you are familiar with British slang, should raise a chuckle or two. We go backstage right away, and you know what you're going to get here. Now with added no-selling of headshots, of course. Into the catering area, where Tony tells us we all have lunch today. That was handy. But onto a handily placed empty table. Main misses with a concrete block. Finley then gets involved out of nowhere, as does Brian Nobbs. Norman has disappeared as these two do their best to take Main down, and Main even uses the Starcade sign. He finally, though, goes down to a lead pipe shot. They scram, and we see Norman is covered up by another table. He comes to and tries his luck with a very gentle cover. Okay, that made me laugh. And gets for three. Mank Ben rocks the death grip on Nick Patrick. Uh, Chris, for all the matches, my play-by-play to finally magically reappear, it was this one. I might as well not have bothered. Yeah, this... Obviously, we've, we've said it before, and you've said it in Fed shows when you have Fed hardcore matches. And it's just that thing of taking what ECW does and you know, FM, uh, CZW and FMZ and all these sort of hardcore, proper, violent federations and just making it silly. And it is unoffensive. It it serves its purpose. It's just a bit of fun. But do we really need it on the pay-per-view? Yeah, could do without, but I suppose when the rest of the show's as shit as this is, at least it's something to laugh at. Yeah, and I think it's probably the one time on this show, or any show we get these matches actually, where I feel that everybody is aware of what it should be, that it is just comedy. Norman himself doing interviews where he's done up like a turkey and he's getting scared of producers counting him down backstage that's okay and he's really going for this stuff is the boy from peterborough um i like that there's nothing to say about the match whatsoever apart from the very 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 gentle cover at the end and meng being meng and that's pretty much it we need not detain ourselves too long on this one but i don't have a problem with that me not having a problem with something is as good as it's going to get over the next hour or so, I fear. A gift is delivered to David Flair. It's a crowbar, a gold one. As Oklahoma then gets grabbed backstage by the Misfits. Hooray. We see the revolution declaring themselves a sovereign nation, because it's all about sovereignty, isn't it? And Jim Duggan will defend America against them with his three mystery partners. 
So, next match, Revolution versus Jim Duggan. If they win, Duggan has to denounce America. If the Revolution win, they have to take over janitorial duties for 30 days. And it's always 30 days, isn't it? Douglas promises a revolutionary ass-beating. And who has Duggan chosen to represent Old Glory? You know what he does when he takes the mic. And then introduces his partners, the Varsity Club. Yes, the Varsity Club of Mike Rotundo, Rick Steiner and, oh yes, Kevin Sullivan. Chris, the Varsity Club, remind me. So and everybody else listening, I don't doubt. So you had the Varsity Club were kicking about sort of mid to late 80s. Um, Kevin Sullivan, before he was evil and satanic, he was the games master um, and was basically just portrayed as this coach. Um, and it was Cajun athletes from colleges in the States. So obviously you had Rick Steiner was Michigan, um, Rotunda's uh, Syracuse. And they'd come out in their college gear and they'd have good worked wrestling matches. You know, it was very much of that sort of ilk of wrestling holds, wrestling moves. And it, you know, for its time in the 80s was really good and worked. 15 years later, not so much. They were here short, no, purely and solely so old school fans, should any of them exist these days, outside of yourself, Mr. Lacey, would say, oh, it's the Varsity Club. Ah, oh, dear, oh, dear. At least Tony did call Sullivan the Games Master at one point, so a bit of attention to detail. But yeah, so it's Jim Duggan and the Varsity Club. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Against the Revolution. Uh, where are we now? OK, uh, Duggan starts out and poor old Saturn has to sell for the entire face team. He does the wobble legs thing required of him. Malenko in and he gets nothing from the big man either. Three point stance hits and this is already rather disconcerting. Douglas on commentary brings up Clinton being only the second president to be impeached. Stamp and date that one. The revolution finally gets something out of Duggan with a drop kick and cradle by Saturn. He misses a moonsault though. That's Saturn, not Duggan. But a flag shot from behind gets... Two. No tag from Duggan here, but the club come in anyway, and it's four on four. We get some old school thrills of Sullivan giving Asia the tree of woe, and then yet another swerve already on this show as the club destroy Duggan. Oh my word. Douglas leaves the commentary table and makes the pin, so Duggan has to denounce the USA on Nitro. Spoiler alert, he didn't even do that. Christopher. My notes are, and to verbatim, more shit, but with 80s wrestlers. And that's pretty much all we can say about this. It is more of the same old shit, same fucking swerves for no reason, just we've added 80s. Why are the Varsity Club... Okay, why are they there is the other question. I tried to answer that two minutes ago. I'm not sure I succeeded. Why are the Varsity Club beating on Doug? Why? Bro. It's a Just, swerve, bro. Ugh. Bro. Ugh. Why do a team who haven't existed for 10 years care about having Jim Duggan possibly denounce the USA on a television show the next day? 
which as I say didn't happen because you know you shouldn't get tied down to any of these things in pro wrestling anymore not down south anyway if you think something's going to happen and more for you not that I wanted Duggan to denounce the USA but even so that was the stipulation match was horrendously bad I felt so fucking sorry for Saturn and Milenko in particular for months and months they've been begging backstage to try to get something more commensurate to their talents to work with so on the biggest show of the year they get called upon to try to get something out of Jim fucking Duggan and unsurprisingly and through no fault of their own managed to fail this was a horrifyingly bad match it really was Duggan didn't tag the entire thing I shortened down my notes there for good reason he worked the entire match himself you know what yeah do beat him down you know, how dare he be arrogant enough to think in 99 he could do that but yeah just another depressing and deflating swerve as well it's there's another one coming up on Nitro a bit later on which we will talk about where you feel like a fool for believing in any of this stuff just get to the bit where everything is thrown out of the window and you turn on the guy because we know it's coming. Just get to it. Oh, dear, oh dear. It's fucking, de- fucking depressing this stuff in it, this pro wrestling lock. Anyway, though, the Misfits, Chris, have locked Oklahoma in a cage. That's better. Uh, at, least, at least there's the one shining light. Phew, just in time. I like them more and more every day. And they wheel out the cage for the next match. Uh, we have two matches here. I'll take them all as a whole. So we begin with Vampiro versus Steve Williams. Oklahoma actually does commentary on this one from the cage. The same one Vampiro leaps right up to start the contest with. Double underhook reverse, but a thrust kick hits. In the ring, punches and chops are exchanged. Shoulder block by the dock and the football tackles follow. He misses a knee in the corner, though, and a side suplex by Vamp scores two. Brawl up top on a super belly to belly. The misfits get in, but don't get very far. Their sacrifice allows Vamp to nail another kick, but he gets caught in another nasty suplex. Not sure what you would call that one. Maybe an S-bone? Death pounds away and shoves down the ref twice and Robinson calls for the bell. As that counts as a Vampiro win, it is now time for Vampiro versus Oklahoma. And here's Tony on commentary. Business is about to pick up. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oklahoma actually gets off a DDT. Okay? He commentates on his own match and a few stomps get brought into play. He can't call a slap by Vamp though, nor the Misfits throwing him back in. But he dodges a kick and hits his own. And nails a low blow. He does get Urinagi though, and not before time. Misfits in again, and they beat the sauce out of him. They nick his hat, and then a very protected nail in the coffin end this tripe. Chris, we got the Misfits. We didn't get much else. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, Vampiro, Doctor Death, two very different styles. Obviously, Vampiro is a really good wrestler. Doctor Death is a really good, solid ground and pound wrestler. But it didn't work. They they didn't mesh. Lots of it was mistimed. It was sloppy. It was just a bit shit. But we then were like, oh, we'll get to see them beat the fuck out of other Oklahoma. At least we can get that done and that can be done and gone. But no. He gets some offense in, which he should never have done. We have to listen to him call shit whilst he's trying doing moves. And the beatdown, which was meant to be five minutes, is only two minutes. I've been shortchanged on him getting his ass kicked. I don't like it. But at least the Misfits were there. Uh, get used to that, because if what we're reading is correct, Chris, they're not going to be invited back anytime soon. And they've done nothing wrong. They've, well, done, they've done everything right. Very few, very few other people have in this organisation in the last eight weeks. 
Well, at least, um, you know, that'll be something we can look back on and go, remember when the Misfits were there. <laughs> but we're still going to have you on WCW shows in the future, Chris. Don't no. think don't think it's the Misfits or nothing for you on this one. Okay, <laughs> that's it now. Yeah, this was a thing. I thought Vampiro Williams was vaguely watchable, actually. The Clash of Styles, I thought it was interesting because they came from, they came from so different poles. Vampiro style against Williams throw and throw style was all right, actually. I could have gone for a couple more minutes of it. I never thought I'd say that about a Vampiro match, but there you go. But then obviously the booking kicked in. Not enough of Oklahoma getting a kick in. But some good news, he might well be off our screens for good now as well. Woo-hoo. I think when we gave him the dressing down of all dressing downs last month, uh, somebody was actually listening. Even Vince Russo has a conscience. Who would have thought it? By all accounts, Ed Ferrara will not be donning the cowboy hat again. And that can only be a good thing, Chris, no? I don't want to repeat yeah. what we said last month, but oh, one of the most horrifying gimmicks we've ever seen. Yeah, he that, you know, antithesizes the culture and concept of fucking Russo with his, bro, let's be controversial, let's, you know, be fucking angsty and let's, you know, do something against the Fed. It's the ultimate fucking cheap blow blow and it's fucking fell on its ass thank fuck for that finally realized maybe there's hope yet well we can we can hope but i I, I doubt it silence 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 i should say everybody as i'm sure you probably all worked out now i am battling the mother and father of all colds at the moment so do bear with me as we go here a backstage interview where stevie tells booker he does not have his back tonight he is not happy with the influence of Midnight, it seems. So Booker emerges for the match v Creative Control and Hennig by himself. When the lights go off, and when they're back, there is Midnight. So at the moment, it's going to be three on two. Creative Control and Kurt Hennig against Booker T and Midnight. Patrick and Gerald do their usual big man trash that Booker does his best to make something of. I should add, they are wearing long sleeve shirts, so their tattoos are still all out of view. Arm drags by Booker and Midnight is now in and she gets the honour of the first full arm dragon twist of the night. Booker back and he gets done up by both of Creative Control and now Hennig is here. They attack but he is back out again very quickly. Axe kick by Booker and now Midnight can get herself some. Great height on a drop kick and she punches Shane on the apron. Shane is the latest whore whore let's make fun of the Fed name for Virgil. And yes, I know that Virgil was a whore whore name itself 11 years ago. Don't come at me. That, though, allows Kurt to take control. She fights for the tag, but the ref does not see it. Now Stevie turns up, but Booker tells him to get out of here. Creative control dominate Midnight as Stevie looks on with hands on hips. Patrick and Gerald, whoever it is, miss an elbow, so Booker is in again. He sorts out everybody, but Stevie has the ref distracted. Hennig hits Booker with something and creative control get the win. Uh, that was actually missed by the camera. They were focusing on Midnight trying to get back in the ring. And indeed, the commentary team missed it too. Professionalism reigns supreme in WCW. But Chris, the match was all right, I suppose, wasn't it? More boring shit. Boring shit, though, yeah. It's it's a waste of Kurt Henning. Um Obviously, there was that whole thing running through the last sort of month where he was... You know, if he gets pinned, which was a, always the irony on that, was that he was done. And then, obviously, had his match against Buff last month. He lost it. We then got him go off. You know, looked like that was it. 
then came back into this shit with Russo. And it's now just like, really? This is what you're doing with one of the best wrestlers of this decade. That in-ring work is this with Virgil, Curly Bob, Vincent, Shane, whatever you know name he's going by this week, and the Nazis. <laughs> Virgil and the Nazis. That's a that's a bad name waiting to happen, isn't it? It's this. I reckon it's probably some sort of hardcore cross punk band with that name somewhere. Yeah, um, probably one for the screwdriver fans out there. Let's say that. Uh, the match was again. It was all right. I. There are people in here I expect better than all right from. And there are people in here I definitely don't. So graded on a curve, hit it right in the middle. Your bog standard two star match. I'm pretty much done with the tensions between Booker and Stevie. We have seen this before. If you're finally going to break Booker off into singles for good, then please do it. They've been ifing and adding about this for what feels like two years now. Just shit or get off the pot, as the saying goes. You could do something with, excuse me, excuse me. You could do something with Stevie. He doesn't need to be involved with Booker all the time, but don't bring back the NWOB team. That might happen considering what happens later on. Uh, Booker is good. He could work with anybody, and here he had to with a always rubbish Harris brothers and Henning, who is phoning it in at best these days. I like the look of Midnight. The paucity of the women's roster. How often have we said those words? Doesn't look like she's going to be doing much more than this and some sort of high kicking sidekick, which is a shame. But it's one of those situations, everybody, where me leading into a match by saying it was kind of all right is one of the high points. That said, going into it, I was vaguely intrigued by this next one. Dustin Rhodes versus Jeff Jarrett in a bunkhouse brawl. I think that could suit them. Let's see if I'm right. Backstage interview where Dustin tells Jeff that tonight he bites the dust, but it's interrupted by JJ jumping in from behind. And I guess we have now started. A wheelbarrow with weapons in it gets sent into Dustin, and the only difference between this and the hardcore match earlier is that Jeff is in jeans. Dustin gets put in the barrow and wheeled into the guardrail. Dustin then grabs a drink and assumes control that way. And then we get the cowbell. Stick to the back and then the head and the cowbell does its thing. Jeff hits the post and Dustin throws powder into his face. The belt gets brought into play as well, complete with many a shot to dear old Billy Silverman, who then gets taped to the rope and gagged. Hennig comes down to help him. Jarrett then is in the game with his own stick shot and a sleeper. Dustin blocks it too, and this comeback looks very familiar, baby. Big side slam, but Hennig yanks him outside and the Leo Burkepin gets two. A slow count means only a two after Hennig whacks Dustin with a something. The former Shattered Dreams gets hit, but Hennig pulls the ref out. Rhodes punishes him with Shattered Dreams too, but Jeff Lowe bridges him outside. A wheelbarrow shot is blocked, and then Dustin climbs the set by the entranceway, but doesn't really do anything. Bulldog to Hennig, but Jarrett is perched on the ladder with the guitar, and we know how that one ends. Chris, this one had its moments, but it was too similar to the hardcore match earlier. Yeah, literally just another hardcore match. And when you have made hardcore wrestling in your company a joke, which that's what it is, the hardcore division's a joke, 
then when your big feud as as you know it's sort of been one of the main things they've been doing for a little while is then just done in another hardcore match which as i said we don't look at hardcore in this company with any real value it just makes it pretty irrelevant so again it's another time when you shoot yourself in the foot because you go to the world too often and do the same shit all the time and makes what could have been passable boring because we've seen it all already. Right down to weapons being wheeled to ringside at the start of the match. Yeah. Did nobody notice that? It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> and this is the thing. This is, this is the thing that, as I said, takes this from like from what was bad obviously we've got screwy finishes all over the shop one or two is fine do it every match do the same thing every match it gets boring wasn't this actually one of the cleanest finishes we saw tonight though <laughs> i.e. A, a guitar shot off a ladder <laughs> yeah i suppose i suppose it was it's the only one that didn't have a, a complete bullshit finish Oh, Hennig was still involved. What do you think of, just briefly before I give my thoughts on the match, what do you think of Dustin doing uh, Daddy Dearest cosplay here? Because that's his character at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Right. He's been so synonymous with being Goldust and the reinventions of Goldust that obviously he can't do that there. At least he's not doing creepy ghost rapist. Because no, no one needs to see keep, creepy ghost killing rapey. Yeah, no, no, we don't need that. So unless he's going to go full, like go full back old school and go to back to the natural, and you know with his super bleached mullet and yellow piss stained pants and his Confederate flag on his jacket. It, he's, he's not really got a lot else he can do than, you know, be daddy. Daddy who actually legitimately really got fired last month as well. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of those of like, um, yeah. yeah. Art and life yet again blurring the lines. Oh, for fuck's sake. But at least daddy got to turn up in ECW this month. Yes, indeed. And listen to the ECW show if you haven't already, everybody. In a vacuum, this match was okay, I suppose. Oh, I feel like I'm saying that too. So it's either fucking terrible or okay, I suppose. It's, that's how it's going to be for the next half hour, everybody. I make no apologies for that because this isn't, because it isn't my fault. That's why. Don't shoot the messenger. But it was. We already had a hardcore match which leaned towards the comedy side of things, which is fine, as we said at the time. But now when you're going to do using the same building blocks, a situation where you're trying to take it seriously, where you've got somebody who is such a bad guy, he's going to tie the referee to the ropes, uh, to the ropes, and then gag him. But you're still broadly doing the same things. It doesn't have the impact you want it to. Do one of. I'd make your hardcore division essentially a comedy division, which is forgettable fun and fine. Or go all the way with it and push the boundaries of violence as far as you can. They're not really doing the latter at the moment, even though I get the impression they'd want to. And I think Jarrett could fit that role. 
it's all moot at the moment because Jarrett gets something far more important a bit later on. Uh, he said through gritted teeth. Listen, I'm all, I'm all right with Dustin doing this. It's a fucking ghost rapist. <laughs> dear, oh dear. That's the tagline for this show. So, ghost. What, what, what was it? It was staring into little kids' rooms. Staring into little kids' rooms with a white face and a... Well, the white trench face coat. was a, a trench coat. No, no, no. And no, then... No. And then the entrance was ghostly floating in. Flying to the ring, yeah. Now, I criticised last month where they used TV time of him uh, breaking character and denouncing the gimmick. They probably did have the right idea, if not the execution. I don't mind Dustin Rhodes being an ass kicker. And so I think he's going to be here in this role as long as he wants to be. Uh, I don't know if the Fed is still interested in having him back. He didn't leave in the best possible terms. We'll have to see where Dusty ends up for good, whether he hangs around in ECW for a while. Uh, Dustin, I'm always happy to see on my screen when he's not knocking at my or anybody else's window, that is. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, let's just say we're not quite done with him for the month. DDP has no sympathy with David Flair's supposed problems, and tonight that rat bastard is going to get it. What? No David scum Flair? Page is in the ring first, but David bursts out of the crowd and attacks with the golden crowbar he was gifted. DDP is in a bad way after that. To the extent that David Flair is declared the winner by forfeit, or maybe not, Page cuts Penza off and rolls into the ring. So, here we go. David Flair versus DDP in a crowbar. On a pole match. You knew it was coming. But apparently pinfalls count here as Page scores two off a roll-up. The commentators inadvertently expose one of the many flaws in this match. And that is that Flair has already got a crowbar. Meaning this near-fall sequence, but that's a good DDT by Flair for two. Close line with DDP Supercell also gets a two. But Page is back in with the discus lariat. Slam, then David hooks on the figure four. After that, he can get the crowbar, but that doesn't mean a win here. Being given the diamond cutter, though, does mean a very quick win for Page. He puts the final stamp on it with a cutter off the top rope. He fancies a shot with the crowbar, but somebody comes to his rescue. An unnamed girl who looks like Siobhan Fahey to me. She is apparently somebody, and this is true, sent in a Nitro Party tape a few months ago, and they kept it on file. (laughs) I'll bet they did. And it gets worse, Rodney. She, in her home, built a shrine to David Flair. God made two of them. Chris, your thoughts on all of that? It was shit. <laughs> it was pointless. And the sooner that they can stop putting David in matches, the better. Though, you know, Crazy Girl looks interesting. You know, <laughs> that that's about it. Oh, and like, yeah. Fucks, fucks off putting stuff on poles. Ah, fucking on a pole match. If you're going to do an on a pole match, and let's face it, Vince Russo is going to do a lot of them, then the weapon up there has to be a full-on MDK. Now, it can't be something somebody has already got. Now, what's the point in Rick, uh, Dave, <laughs> Freudian slip there? David Flair trying to climb for a crowbar when he's already fucking got one. There might as well just be a coal miner's glove up there. Heaven forfend. Match was nothing. And I know we talked about his lone wolf character early on and we don't like the reasons for it. No, DDP cutting off the ring announcer to say he's going to do the match after all. That is a baby face move. But I don't see this as any sort of face turn for Paige. I don't think that's happening. I think it probably should. 
I have enjoyed his heel run as many as many people seem to have done. I think he's a natural baby face. He should be one, but not like this. <sighs> Somebody out there built a shrine to David Flair, Chris. Someone Somebody has to. of supposed sound mind built a shrine to David Flair. She never said she was of sound mind. <laughs> I've given them far too much credit. So Lex Luger versus Sting or the total package, whatever. If and yes, there's bloody if again, because it's all about stipulations. If Sting wins, then Elizabeth gets her freedom from Luger. After exchanging a big can of mace for another big can of mace with Liz, Sting comes to the ring with her, but he gets jumped right from the off. Luger shows something in the early going that could almost be described as effort. Careful now. Couple of slams in a cover for a one. Liz is up on the apron quickly, just in time for Sting's classic suplex no-sell. Then he and Liz share share some shots for a while. Bit out the sherry. By that I mean punches. Heads collide, and this is very early for a double down. So Liz gets in and seems to be tending to Luger. Sting watches over this with a knowing smirk on his face. She then unleashes the big mace bottle, and it turns out to be Silly String. And you know that budget cuts are obviously biting in the company, as it's just the white stuff, and it's not even multicoloured. But hey, Sting avoided a swerve, everybody. I never thought thought I'd see the day. Liz departs, then Luger eats splashes of both the standard and Stinger variety. Death lock on, but now Liz is in with the bat. Sting stares her out again, and she just drops it, though. But Sting reverts to type by thinking everything is okay, turning his back, putting the scorpion back on, and then Liz whacks him with it. That's more like it. That's the Sting we know and begrudgingly admire. The DQ is called, and she then traps his hand with a chair, and Luger goes to town on it with the bat. Chris, Sting seeing a swerve, I knew it was too good to be true. Well, this is such a waste for Sting. Um, This whole Lex Liz thing is just bollocks. The match was boring as fuck, the only only good bit out of it was the way that Liz swung that bat. I'm pretty sure she knocked Sting out legitimately with that bat shot because that looked like it cracked him right on the jaw. Wow. But yeah, this this was pointless, and the fact that Sting is your I know I know he's not ever at this time frame the the main guy for your title and your stories and everything like that. But he is, he is what, if you ask someone who's a guy from WCW and you show them a picture of Sting, they know that Sting is WCW. That face paint, that look is, is synonymous with WCW. You know, there's no confusion between like him that you would get with Goldberg and Austin looking similar. And you do this with him. Fuck, fuck this company. And fuck it hard with a stick and a can of mace. Match was incredibly boring. Have you ever had a great match against each other? I'm not sure they have. This definitely wasn't it. It only existed for Sting to try to show 
that he is clever just for a few seconds and then revert to type. When we talk about Dom Babyface's sting is the piece de resistance of that, and he proved it here. This Luger list thing is a little bit weird. I do believe they are cohabiting in real life, but I don't like the sort of on again, off again, she enjoys the punishment thing they're doing here on screen. But it is still going to continue, and Sting does deserve better than this. Uh, Chris, I'm going to call a break here because this is no word of a lie. I've got to rescue our cat from a tree. <laughs> and I might, even, I might even keep that in. That is absolutely true. I'll be back as quick as I can. Cool. Rusty safe, everybody. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I've only got about you know, five splinters in my hand. And he only bit me twice, so there we go. Well, you will do these things. But he's safe. He's safe. Rusty is safe. I only had to climb to the very, very heights of our ladder to bring him down, but he's there. Anyway, let's get back to it now, shall we? Speaking of great heights, we have the Masters of the Powerbomb match between Sid and Nash. Powerbomb ends the contest, everybody. Remember that. Here's Heenan on commentary. This is going to get interesting, guys. Somebody else has been at the Sherry early. Nash actually teases the knees in the corner. Oh, you shouldn't have. At least we get the fucking frame and elbow out of the way early. Side slam, popular move today for an early two. Sid ducks and quickly goes for the powerbomb, but Kev low blows out of it. Nash then tries it outside, but no, sir. Sid with a hard chair shot to the back as Hudson calls this event the granddaddy of them all. There they go again. Back in with plenty of clubbing. Leg drop and slam by Sid, but no powerbomb attempt. Whip to the buckles, but the ref eats it. Sid then executes the powerbomb, rather gingerly. No referee, though. Jarrett is back <laughs> with a shiny new guitar and smacks Sid with it. He cleans out the debris. I think that's the first time he's ever done that, as the ref slowly comes to. Nash tries the powerbomb, but his back goes out. He tries again, but same again. He then stumbles over to the official and tells him that he powerbombed him. That is good enough for the referee, and Nash gets his hand raised. Chris, I put just one word down here after the match. I could have picked many, but I just went for sake. Yeah, bullshit. Just bullshit. That would have worked too. And and we've already spent too much time on it. Move along. This is our semi-demi main events the third from the top we can't move on that quickly as much as i'd like to oh this this was fucking awful <laughs> it's okay fair enough it it was it there, there is nothing else to describe it it's two big lads that struggle to have a match against a good worker going against each other in a bullshit stipulation match which they then bullshitted the way out of it well they gave us two abominations four years ago in your house one in your house two no and like a fine wine no, no maybe not we didn't get power bombs there either if you remember as i'm sure you all do the in your house two lumberjack match ended with nash hitting a boot to the face on sid rather than power bombing him and now here we are in december 99 in a power bomb match he is able to convince the referee that he did it i mean come on who are you booking this for well, this was very possibly Nash's own idea. It would not surprise me. Oh, this stinks of Nash writing his own shit. But this isn't even cool heel stuff. 
No. I'm not thinking, ha, look at that. He's so lazy, he's not even going to try to powerbomb for the win. He's cool because of that. He's not playing the game. I don't think that. I just think you are not arsed. And as such, I don't give a fuck about you. Again, it's reneging on a stipulation. That's the thing. Yeah, it, it's it's been the theme of the night, isn't it? Stipulations for the sake of stipulations, and then you don't even fucking do them. If you don't want to pin Sid because you feel he's protect worthyable, okay, don't book the fucking match. Just even, I mean, I'm sick to death of the DQ finishes, but I wouldn't. I would have had more, or rather, less issue with it here than I did say the previous match, even. But oh, just again. If you put too much stock into this and you end up thinking about it, you are the one left with egg on your face. And you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be punished for getting invested. I mean, they built this for weeks as the Masters of the Power Bomb match. It's all there. Oh, it's just so fucking infuriating. Benoit is out. Earlier on, he laid out an open challenge for his US title. The one given to him after Scott Hall had to relinquish it by virtue of having Chris, you'll like this one, a knee injury. <laughs> did he did he walk into a bar stool? Yeah, these decanters hurt like a bitch when you drop them. The belt he was given after it was stripped from Hall, who has a knee injury. So good, I mentioned it twice. So who is his opponent? Please don't be Jarrett. Please don't be Jarrett. Please don't be Jarrett. The chosen one. Another match for the US title. Chris Benoit versus Jeb Jarrett. Uh, Edition of the Royal Family in its first series last year, they were switching with channels and Chris Evans was on every single one. And Jim Royal said, he's everywhere, him, isn't he? He's like shit in a field. That's exactly what it's like with Bucking Jarrett. The Chris Evans of pro wrestling. Benoit isn't fucking around here and he is all over Double J with chops. Superplex and a beauty keeps him down. He goes for the ladder nice and early, but gets it baseball slid back into his face. Slam onto a prone ladder, and he gets propped up by the ropes. And this is Jeff who gets whipped into it and forced to the outside. Nasty cut to Benoit's face already here. He gets stopped from climbing on the second step and dumped onto the, t- dumped onto the rope, crotch first. Benoit sent into the ladder, then JJ is. Then Benoit blocks with his right leg, but that means he has nowhere to go when the ladder gets pulled back to the mat. Ouch. When he tries to climb, though, CB rallies and sticks JJ's leg between the ladder. From there, though, he is able to lure the ladder down to the ground. Oh, that could have been dangerous. They both set up the ladder from either side, and it's slow climb nonsense time. Hi, Dan, if you're listening. Then they punch it out on top. Benoit falls off. Jarrett gets toppled off. Benoit goes to climb, but JJ pushes it down, and he hits the top rope. They then do exactly the same spot the other way around. That's, that's lazy booking. Benoit has a go, but Jeff ascends the ropes. He drop kicks the ladder and Benoit hits the deck. Heenan has never seen anything like that in his life, showing that he really did cut his previous ties in December 1993. Benoit drop kicks it when recovered and he hits Jarrett in the face. Now another climb attempt. But he doesn't go for the belt. He instead reels off the diving headbutt. Stop doing that. He then climbs again and finally grabs it down as Tony tries to sell this as match of the year. Uh, Chris, I would say that match of the year is pushing it, but I do think we needed something like this all the same. It may be WCW's match of the year, but it won't be anywhere near our match of the years come the end of uh, the end of year list. But, you know, at least it's something fucking decent on this show, you know, in this giant shower of shit, something that resembles 
a good wrestling match. And who would have thunk it that Jarrett was part of it? <laughs> who would have known that such miracles can happen? Clearly, it's a Christmas tis, miracle come tis early. Tis the season, as you say, tis the season. But the problem is, even even this, as a as a ladder match, doesn't. Uh, it's probably the best ladder match WCW's had, but it's not the best ladder match we've had this year. That goes, you know, to the Fed and the yeah. Tit Invitational. <laughs> but you know, at least it was something that was semi-worthy of being on Starcade. It's the only redeeming feature on this show. I would agree with that. It's one of those where you, if you heard you didn't watch Starcade and more power to your elbow if you didn't, when you hear that there was a, a better match on there, when you watch it, you might allow yourself to get a bit carried away and think it's even better than it was. I think a good example is our dear old friend Sold Out 97. Our worst show of that year, and fully deservingly too. Yeah, and again, it was a ladder match between Six and Eddie Guerrero, which when I watched it, I wouldn't say I was particularly blown away by, but in the context of a detritus that surrounded it for two and a half hours, you think it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. Another true Christmas miracle. This was a three-star ladder match with a lot of spots that we have seen before, in some cases, they're ripped wholesale from the WrestleMania 10 one in particular. Word for word, hold for hold, the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. But if you're going to steal, steal from the best. And they did give a lot. I've got to give credit to Jarrett. Again, gritting my teeth. I should just hold them in that position. Let's hope the wind changes. Hold them in that position as gritted. I feel like I'll be doing it a lot with this guy. He gave a lot here, especially having been in a pretty tough 15-minute match earlier. Benoit offered his usual efforts. I'm not entirely sure why he bothers. Now, he gets talked about backstage as being the only mid-carder of that size who's been elevated. I don't think he really has been. And this is somebody who was wrestling for the world title last month. He still doesn't seem like a main eventer to me. And that's perception. Not aware. That's not me saying he shouldn't be there. Right now, he should. I still think people make themselves feel better by saying that he is a main eventer, even though he really isn't. But a good 10-minute match here. They could have done with it being a bit longer, a bit shoehorned, a bit squashed. But what they did, they took their time and they used it. And on this show, that really is all I ask. So don't go expecting pure miracles here. It's not a great match. It's probably just above a good one. Uh, Positivity by association, let's say that. Which does bring us to our main event, our final WCW pay-per-view match of the 1990s. Chris, quiz question. What was the first pay-per-view match of the 1990s in this organization? I'll give you a clue. It involved two people we have seen earlier on. It would probably be Lex and Sid to be around skyscrapers time and lex being ust slash tv champion time that is not a bad shout wrong but not a bad shout you're in the right ballpark the pay-per-view was wrestle war 90 was the first one of the 90s so 
don't know Sting would have definitely been there, but I thought at that point Sting and Flair would have been near the top. Uh, it was meant to be uh, Sting and Flair, but Sting got injured a couple of weeks before the clash, so Luger stepped in to take on Flair in the main event. Uh, the first match, Kevin Sullivan was the person we saw earlier, as was Shane Douglas. So it was the dynamic dudes. Oh, bloody hell, the dudes. Going against Kevin Sullivan and Buzz Sawyer. No, oh, don't don't remind me of these sort of things. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, dear listener. Rory McNamara, you are an internationally renowned broadcaster. There is no way that you came up with the guise of a quiz question just so you could play in the WrestleWar 90 rap. Oh, you overestimate me. Hey, homeboy, gather around. Some serious stuff is gonna go down for the WrestleWar 90, the kings of the ring. All come together and do the wild thing. Lex Luger, the stylish, nature boys, sting. Yeah, they all be doing that. Wild thing, yeah, they all be there with something to prove. Brimming with intentions to bust the move. Suckers. So then, let's get to our main event of Starcade 99. Bret Hart defending the world title against Bill Goldberg. Not much of a build for this one. Yeah, pretty much standard babyface stuff. I was okay with that. I was okay with that. Brett's pre-match interview doesn't add much to proceedings. Buffer vexes me by asking, are we ready? Ah, the royal we. Brett is out first for no real reason. Handshake is accepted and we are off. Lockup goes nowhere. They try again and Bill wins that one with ease. Third go and Brett takes it with a headlock takedown. He gets mowed down again after that, though. And to my ears, the crowd are marginally favouring Brett here. Big slam by Bill, but no cover yet. Clothesline instead. And that ankle takedown thing. That gets turned into a sharpshooter attempt. Cool, but we're in the ropes. Outside brawl and ref gets hit accidentally. Brett base first to the table as Charles Robinson now takes over. Big boot and that sort of hip toss power slammy whatever thing. But now Robinson goes down. I'm sensing a theme here. Another ref is out. Spear attempt in the corner, but Brett ducks only just and slaps on the ring post figure of four. He continues to work on the leg on the inside, but he now seems to be rubbing his head a lot. Did he get a whack at some point? He grinds on the ankle in the corner and he can't be DQ'd. Figure of four try in the ring. He shuts out the pain and rolls over, but again into the ropes. A pretty clear Goldberg sucks chance as Brett stomps away. Bill fights back and lays in shots in the corner. Then this ref takes a bang in the face. All right, guys, that's enough now. Brett gets whipped into the ropes and takes a sidekick to the head. Oh, that looked very stiff to me. Brett immediately puts his hands back on his head as Goldberg rocks on his haunches. I think he knows he hurt Brett there. Spear, but there's no official until Piper and his striped shirt come on down. Brett comes to and gets on the sharpshooter. Roddy immediately calls for the bell and walks off with the belt. And why are we doing this? Why am I doing this? Piper then hands it to Brett by the entranceway, and that is very much that as we go off the air. Chris, here we fucking go again. At Starcade in your main event. They're doing fucking this. Yeah, I don't get why or who planned this match out and why they did it the way they have, but the fucking ref bumps were massively unnecessary. 
yeah, we, we know that Goldberg is limited, but even Brett could, you know, with that old adage of a good worker could work a, a broom, Goldberg being the broom, Brett should have been able to, you know, make, at least make something look, you know, half decent. You didn't need all the fucking extra bullshit, which we all know is is Russo's love is, you know, just flailing out extra shit for the sake of flailing out extra shit. But it was not needed. And then the finish. You get Piper come out, just, yeah, you're done. And then walk away with the belt, just go, sort of semi-drops it at Brett. And it's like, really? Luckily, you know, we we don't have the, the same price structure that they do in the States for pay-per-views. But if I'd have dropped $50 or $60 for this, I would be going, where's my fucking money back? And you could tell why the attendance is down. If this is the level of shit that they're going to put on as their big show of the year... Why would you go? You just wouldn't do it, would you? If, again, you were of sound mind. And you had people to buy presents for. And At, at this point now... You wanted to actually keep... I think, I think at this point now, with WCW, if, if, you are, if you are full in WCW, sort of been there since the early 80s and still love this there's something wrong with you you need to get your head checked and if you're still there by the end of next year god bless you crazy crazy people unless something miraculously changes anyone that's sort of been on the fence or goes fleets between the two i think at this point is where you go that's it i'm done there, there is no coming back from this. This this is the sort of thing that, as wrestling fans, will just make you go, do you know what? No. No, I'm not. Not again, and not that way, and just for what? You might watch the next night to see what, what happens, which obviously we'll go over in a minute. <laughs> but when Indeed. when you then get that as, as the explanation of it, even more so is done. Just why is the question, isn't it? Just why? This is Starcade. This is your biggest event of the year. And I do think face v face, Bret Hart versus Bill Goldberg in December of 1999. It is worthy of that status. It might have taken Bret longer to get there than he would have liked, but... Telling me now at the end of 99, Brett B. Goldberg is going to headline Starcade. I'm okay with that. That fits for me. It's not a stretch to say that that can conclude your biggest pay-per-view of the year. And this is what we are treated to as a result. A match that never got above average. I don't think Brett, for whatever reason, was giving it his usual college try in this one. I wouldn't go as far to say he was dogging it, but 
I'd be lying if I said he was trying to get the best possible match out of Goldberg too. That wasn't happening. The ref bumps were ludicrous. Not required. One might have been enough for the story, inverted commas, they were trying to tell. Three is preposterous. It it was just pointless for doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Case of who is the next referee going to be? Oh, it's this guy. Who's the next referee going to be? Nobody was hoping, oh, maybe Piper will come out with a referee shirt on, which of course is what we got. I'll get back to that again in a second. Brett, and I haven't read anything in the sheets that's confirmed this at this point, but Brett was at a bit of a bell ringing situation with... Well, I noticed him favouring his head shortly after the ring figure of four. I went back and watched it. it a ring post figure of four. Went back and watched it. It looked like he banged his head on the on the concrete at some point. I don't know if it was either he or Goldberg who got that one wrong. Maybe it was Brett himself. I don't know. Not I say not getting it his full effort. And the sidekick, the Goldberg, he whacked him with it. Caught him right round about the temple level. Brett immediately goes down holding his head. And Goldberg turns away from the hard camera as if to say, oh, shit. I did him there. I'm sure there was absolutely no intention. And Goldberg's a big-hearted fella. Wouldn't go out to hurt somebody, but they got that one wrong. And if we hear any more about that in the coming weeks, we'll let you know. But we got to the finish, which I sense the people involved were rather embarrassed about. They went off the air very quickly. But if you were embarrassed about it, you should have been two hours before the show, a day before the show, a week before the show, when you alighted on the decision that this is what you were going to do you're going to redo the very real of 25 months ago that's because you think the people who are watching now and that they wanted to be reminded of it i don't need the tap on the shoulder i know it happened i don't need to see it again being played out as part of a work just again just because you can doesn't mean you shouldn't and if you are somebody who this is actually can you believe it this is a Vince Russo quote coming up Chris he says he said this in a WCW live interview this month he begins and ends every sentence with the word logic he clearly doesn't understand it (laughs) he didn't say what the words are in between logic in that sentence there you go and everybody hated this Piper himself didn't want to do this. I didn't think he was even playing a character when he gruffly stood by the apron, quickly gave Brett the belt and pissed off. He knew how appalling this was too. And Brett's there with his hands held out, asking what happened as well. You might, my friend, a complete waste of what could have been a classic babyface match. Uh, in my head, this pay-per-view went off with fireworks and a handshake. And instead it went off with, a whimper fucking Montreal again yes it's the most talked about thing in the business but that's not because I'm replicated want to see it replicated oh Chris quick save me give us a score rating out of 10 before I <laughs> explode and so I am giving this a solitary one and that only oh, is because of the ladder what? match because <laughs> this is the thing is at the time Obviously, in watching it as a whole, I was like, 
the ladder match was great. Rewatching the ladder match on its own, standalone, it's 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 a mid tier ladder match. Yeah. Just because it was surrounded by shit doesn't make it gold. So it's still a giant pile of shit show and gets my lowest ever rating of a one. Yeah, I don't think you even get gave November to remember that, did you? Ninety eight? No. Eric been a big fat goose egg. Yeah. But you know, I can't give it a zero just because it did have that ladder match. But the ladder match isn't good enough to give it anything more than a solitary one. So do you think this is the worst paper you've seen as a course of this project then over the six and a half years we've been doing this? Yes. And without wanting to put words in your mouth, because I'm going to say these myself in about 30 seconds time. Do you think part of the problem is that this is supposedly the A grade pay-per-view, the blue ribbon? You could, no. a, you could get no. away with this on a B pay-per-view. It would still suck, but I don't think we'd be quite quite as ripped with rage about I, it. I think I think the fact that it is the biggest show makes it hurt more. But even if you'd have called this mayhem and had it last month, <laughs> it yes. would have still been shit. And it and it was. Yeah. Said at the time. Yeah. It just stings more when it's. I wanted to feel that again hope against hope horribly naive that i am that the two months of russo leading up to this were just all that stuff he wanted to get out of his system and then he would start taking it seriously with the word starcade held before his face but no he carried on giving us the same old nonsense and just like wrestlemania this year for me it does feel worse i can't just laugh it off in as much as i'd like to i'm left with the sense that the people in charge don't care about the people watching now, you are going to get more eyes on this product than you normally do starcade is is a name pay-per-view you're going to get a few thousand more buys people who haven't seen what you've done throughout the year probably don't really know the horrors that have laid before them they've been lucky enough to avoid them they just want to sit down here the week before christmas and have a pay-per-view worthy of the name we didn't get it. We got a pay-per-view worthy of the name of WCW pay-per-views, but that is a very, very different story. I'm going for a two. <laughs> I certainly will be after this, quite a big one, but I'm going to go for a two because the ladder match was all right. And almost by accident, the name value of three, four of the matches dug it up a notch. I thought the crowd were actually, in spite of themselves, fairly into this. But it's the slimmest of slim pickings. It's nowhere near good enough. It reminded me of WrestleMania. That got a two. This gets a two. And if it doesn't improve here, what is it going to? My name is Roddy Piper and I sold out. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. To the slime balls backstage. Hey, listen, guys. I've done a lot of things in my time, man. I whipped Mr. T. I knocked out Schnooker with a coconut. I kicked Cindy Lauper. I started Piper's Band. I fought in your town. I fought in your town. In your town. In your town. In your town. I'm the real deal. I am not a phony. And I don't think this phony dog and pony act that's going on right now. Vince Russo. The new writer for WCW 
You want to write in all this clown baloney and the greatest athletes I've seen back there and this guy does this and this guy does that and this guy beats this guy. Hey, these people don't want to see that, man. They want to see guys fight. They want to see guys go into it. They don't want to see that BS, man. And you know what? Goldberg, Bill Goldberg, you're one of the greatest pieces of talent that I've seen in a long time. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Goldberg. But you know what? No, no, don't ride me. I don't do so. No. Uh, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you what. Bottom line, Goldberg is right, man. Come on, tell them you don't want a bunch of phonies. Tell them you want real deal fighters. I'll tell you something, the WCW has treated me better than any organization ever that I've been with, but boys, I'm a real fighter, man. And if you want me to do this dog and pony cartoon baloney, I quit. What? This is the last time. This, hang on. This is the last time I'm going to do anything for anyone. If you ever want a real deal fighter, man, you give me a call. But if you want some uh, to come down here and run around like an idiot, you, it ain't me. It ain't me, Dave. You know, I'll tell you something, man. Please, well, you know what you do? Just do me one solid. I've busted my body up for you for years, man. I'm asking you one thing. Right now, at home, man, grab your kid. Give him a big hug, and if don't hit him, kiss him, man. Tell him how much you love him. You know what? Christmas is not a holiday. It's someone's birthday. I spent my whole life in this sport. I quit. That's it. Unbelievable. You know what, Roddy? I stayed up all last night trying to make sense of this crap. Unfortunately, I didn't come up to any conclusion. You know, throughout the years when I've watched professional wrestling, there have been a couple guys I've looked up to. There have been a couple guys that have been respectable in this business. And I consider you one of them. Until last night. You are faced with a decision, and as far as I'm concerned, you made the wrong decision. 
But I don't know where to go with it, man. I don't know where to go with it. All I can tell you is, is that you made the wrong decision. You sold out, and I will never do that. Sir, you're a great face. you're a great piece of talent, and uh, I know what you can do. I wish you all the best. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, but please don't be a phony. I'm not a phony. Don't you worry, I'll carry that torch, brother. I'll carry it to the end of, end of the earth. For the day I die. this on me. I'll carry it. Enough, enough, enough. What's the point? There's no point blaming him. No point blaming anybody else. Your heat's not with him. Your heat's with the office. And nobody knows better than I do what it's like to get screwed over by the office. You think I want to walk around with this piece of trash around my waist knowing that I didn't beat you soundly for it? As far as I'm concerned, this here world championship belt is vacant. Because I don't want anything to do with it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to right now with the office and tell them to take this belt and shove it right up their ass. It's all right, kid. Everybody mis makes mistakes, brother. I understand. Unbelievable scene that we are watching here and just unfolding before our eyes. Red Hart has dropped the belt, vacated the What's your problem? What's your problem, Brett? My problem's with you. Yeah, well, Brett... You think it's smart doing this thing and messing around with everybody's lives like this? You're a piece of s***. Hey, Brett, what don't you understand? I did this for you. I know that you thought I had something to do with the Survivor Series two years ago. I tried to make it up to you last night. Don't take this out on me. I did it for you, Brett. Oh, you did it for me by screwing Goldberg. You call that doing me a favor? You know what you can do with this belt? You can stick it right up your yeah, ass. Yeah, I can stick it up my ass. Well, I'll tell you what, Mr. Canadian hero. Get right back here. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Brett. You think you're a tough guy? How about tonight you and Goldberg? Let him beat your ass just like he would have last night. You piece of garbage. So our final discussion point of the year comes with the fallout from Starcade, in which they tried to make sense of it. And if you've heard that Roddy Piper promo there and whatever he was rabbiting on about, I'm sure that will answer your question. The implication is, and I hate myself for saying this, but the implication is, is that the story they're trying to tell is that everything that has existed in pro wrestling before this month was a fake that word it was a work it was a design but now vince russo the script writer as he calls himself is now scripting pro wrestling matches to be legitimate you're with me so far because i'm not sure that i am 
So when you have Roddy Piper there talking about all the phony nonsense is finished, we are now supposed to believe that what we are seeing is really happening. Because Vince Russo is scripting it to be really happening. Uh-huh. 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 So all of that leads to, for the third year in a row, one of the headline Starcade matches having an immediate rematch the next night on Nitro. 97, it was Hogan v. Sting. 98, it was Flair v. Bischoff. And here in 99, once again, this time it is Brett versus Goldberg for the suddenly vacated title because Brett had the power to do that. And here we are with nine minutes left in the show as the bell goes. Brett versus Goldberg 2. Rutting stag lock up one easily by Goldberg and big kicks in the corner. And Brett powders out early. Body shots by Bill outside, but Brett is able to respond with those open mouth slugs of his. You know the ones. Brett to the guard rather than back in for a large power slam. Hitman gets to the ropes off a leg lace. A big Goldberg chant, unlike last night, goes up as they scrap it out in the corner. Hart grinds for leg against the turnbuckle, but Bill is able to choke him all the way into the opposite corner. But he nails the ref with his elbow on a punch. Another fucking ref bump. Hart gets on the figure of four with no ref, and here are the outsiders. And they beat up Goldberg and Goldberg alone with the bats. Then Piper comes down to protect Goldberg with his own body, in which the second ref then counts a pin. So, by that token, Roddy Piper should be the world champion. But no, it counts as a pin for the hitman. (laughs) But yes, Jeff Jarrett trots down and nails Piper with a guitar on which Roddy does a needlessly comical sell. They break out the spray paint and guess the three letters that they anoint Piper and Goldberg with. Yes, everybody, the band are back together yet again. So, Chris, for the 8,407,000th whatever nth time, the NWO have reformed. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Bret Hart and Jeff Jarrett. We might as well jump ahead to the next week. Well, after the hijinks we've seen many times and many times better three years before going into the production truck and that sort of thing. Scott Steiner, an hour after cutting a tearful promo where he said his career was over, comes out with a baseball bat. Because, again, we're not supposed to believe in anything these days. Lays waste to Sid and joins the New World Order. Caps with Bret Hart running over Sid's car with a monster truck, which, again, we have also seen elsewhere superior. If you think... Boys and girls, that I ran through that very quickly. I didn't pay any more attention and heed than they did because we're not supposed to care about any of this. Chris, A, yet another big pay-per-view rematch the next day on Nitro, but that is the least of my problems as the NWO are back once a fucking again. Well, clearly we need to, you know, start selling some merch. Has everybody got an NWO shirt who wants one these days? I'm wearing one now as I do this show. I will say that that new silver design (laughs) is quite nice. You know, they've they've done a little bit to it to make it look pretty. You know, I, you know, might get one of them. But do am I would I get it because I'm 
feeling great about this new found NWO? No, I'm getting it because I don't mind the T-shirt. Um, this fire, <coughs> there's... Okay, I get having Nash, Hall and Jarrett because, you know, it gives Dickhead his, his output for creativeness. So, you know, Russo can still be a cunt, you know, taking on the Bischoff role in original NWO. But why Brett? I don't get the point of having a heel Brett. The only time heel Brett has worked was when it was Canada versus America. You're not going to do that with the NWO. You know, I, I don't mean this on anyone to sound harsh, but I'm quite hoping that, you know, Brett has got a concussion. It means he might have to take a bit of time off so we can get away from this shit. That's, you know, no one, no one needs this. No one really cares. And I give it a couple of months before it's all gone again anyway. More than likely. It's Brett and it's Scott Steiner. So a heel trio of Hall, Nash and Jarrett. That can work. And if you've read the sheets this month, you'll see that they pair Hall, Nash, because they are basically a gestalt entity, Hall, Nash, with Jarrett to try to ensure that they both get heel heat from each other because there's still word backstage at Hall and Nash it's all about getting themselves over where do these ideas come from and that Jarrett isn't quite there yet Russo because he is his boy wants him to get there pairing those two pairing those two up is heel heat I'm okay with it it means more Jarrett on my screen but all right turning Scott Steiner an hour after he cut an impassioned promo where he said his career was over the very real situation with his back and neck, that C3, C4, C5 vertebrae were all screwed and he had to retire. An hour later, we're left, once again, idiots for believing in something and having some real emotion. This is only pro wrestling, bro. Why are you getting so invested in it? Just sit and laugh at the funny people. And Brett, for the second time in 18 months, has turned heel. When he is riding a wave of real popularity it was enough in 98 when you know what had happened a few months ago but here after what occurred seven months ago nobody wants to boo Bret Hart now nobody people just want to cheer as much of Bret as they've got left because like you said when he came back five months ago he might not be doing this for much longer and he's 42 years old now I do think his in-ring days are very much numbered we should enjoy every chance we get the fans who've been with him over the last 15 years, and those who have followed him across from the Fed, and there are some, they want to enjoy every chance they get of seeing Brett in the ring. And they want to cheer the guy because of his career, if nothing else, let alone what he had to go through, what his family went through seven months ago. And here he is, just yet another standard issue bad guy wearing a sneer on his face, hitting people with baseball bats, oh, and running over cars with monster trucks. It's completely out of character and like it was at Starcade on the nitros the two nitros following up look into his eyes you can see he doesn't want to be doing this now brett gets a lot of flack for how seriously he takes pro wrestling always wanting to be the hero or the rest of it there are credence to those points okay i take them on board they are valid but it's wanting to be a hero 
really a brick bat we should hit people with or a baseball bat if you will is it something to be ashamed of is it something we should scoff at i'm not really sure it is there aren't many true heroes around in the world these days so if somebody wants to be one and he has the medium i.e via pro wrestling to do it then shouldn't we let him but no we go into the new year with bret hart as a Gennaro bad guy with Hall and Nash who will call all the shots here make no mistake they'll make Brett second wheel at best also used as a vehicle to continue getting Jarrett over because that's the real goal here and Scott Steiner because we don't want to cheer somebody who had a career near career threatening injury and it's just the most sour of sour tastes as we move into a new year and Anybody who sets any stock by this is left feeling very stupid. Any emotional attachment, you are made to feel a fool for having. And maybe we're the fools for watching all this stuff. I don't know. But that said, we are going to keep on doing it, if only just to see how it ends. It's the thing with, with the, obviously, the NWO stuff. Um, as I said, I, I give it a couple of months and it'll be all gone anyway. But if, you know, they're doing what clearly Russo seems to want to do at the minute is go back to the well and things that have, have happened before, you know, the screw job, now the NWO. What's next? Is he going to bring, try and get Hogan back? Is that what he wants Warrior for? He wants Warrior Hogan for WrestleMania 6 rematch and do Ooh. that again. Does he want Bruno? Should we get Bob Backlund as well and go full <laughs> fucking 70s? I'd come up with something new, something cutting edge, something different. Be different. Don't just be a rehash of shit you've done before. He did. Or rather, he was part of the team that did in the WWF in 97. And that's part of the reason why pro wrestling is so hot, albeit mainly from another channel. He was involved in that. But then, as you said yourself earlier, Chris, and you're quite right, who did he have to bounce ideas off then? Who did he have to actually tell him in his ear? No, Vince. Yeah. Here he has no sounding board. Despite his supposed power struggles with Kevin Sullivan or whoever, he has the final say. And we are proving that the Emperor has no clothes on. So much for being an ideas guy. It's all rehashes or it's people being put into situations they have no business being put into. It's swerve for the sake of swerve. It's matches taking a huge hit. It's household name pay-per-views being used as a playpen. And until, be it Kevin Sullivan, anybody, anybody else out there, if you're listening, you have, you have no pro wrestling experience. If you want to be the person to snatch the pen from Russo, then I am not going to stop you. Because I just think we're going to go down and down and down. And everybody, if you're listening... If we are going to go down and down and down, I'm sure as hell taking you all with me. And we're back in December 2019. Chris, another year down. And I do mean down for 1999. Yeah, fucking hell. You've come yeah. along for the tail end of WCW for it. Well, as I said, get get my stint in now. 
I am going to give you a break from WCW. How long that break will be, and only time will tell. Uh, yeah, I might come back if something breaks, or you know, Muta turns up. They, 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 they are your only things. Just to see Muta. I feel like my sanity has broken. Muta, mm, I hate to break it to you, Chris. What else have you got going on? What, what can you tell? What can you tell us is um, uh, so, in the pipeline? Yeah. So we have uh, wrestling, obviously the WCW show and the end of year awards, which are awesome. Um, we have the end of year show and tell uh, top 20 albums of 2019. It's all glorious two-parter, which has some balls, heavy, brutal, horrible metal on there and some really, really nice stuff on there. Um, been some awesome, decent shows over the past month um, with some really eclectic mixes on show and tell um, and the Christmas special, which was, if you listen, my penchant for the mashup that I put at the end of it. We did a whole Christmas special of my favourite of the mashups, including at the very end, a wonderful Marilyn Manson, Mariah Carey Christmas special. Oh, hello. <laughs> all i want for christmas is beautiful people <laughs> i'm gonna have to check that one out so yeah you can get that on your usual i podcast playing devices of choice just search show and tell tunes and if you want me ranting about how shit city you're doing in the football at the minute you can follow me on my usual twitter at lacy555666 Thank you very much, Chris. Yes, you can find us on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. We're on Facebook too, where Mr. Lacey is in charge. Uh, just the shows to catch you up on, in addition to the December 99 ones, we did record uh, for two Chris's and I a Q&A Ask the Host episode. We dropped that one on Christmas Eve, uh, us talking out of timeline, answering all manner of questions. So do check that one out. And if you do want to send us a question, because we'll be doing a second volume of that in a few months' time, then do let us know on the Twitters or the Facebooks. Uh, we'll keep that one aside and we'll get back to it when we do volume two, as I say. Uh, we do have a Patreon, so if you do have a bit of money burning hole in your pocket this Christmas time, then do find us on there at Wrestling 20 Years. Uh, just keeps the show running. This is no money-making venture. I'd feel very guilty if I made money out of this, the things we're talking about. But it's just to make sure we can, you know, get all the subscriptions in, keep all our recording stuff ticking along, you know the drill. Anything very gratefully received. But you know, this will always be a completely free show, and it is our pleasure. Well, it might not seem like it, our pleasure to bring it to you each and every month. As Chris, we're Ready to stride boldly into 2000. 2000. I know, the millennium, the bug. It's, it's all going to end. Planes are going to fall from the sky. <laughs> it's going to be anarchy. Given what I've got for the next 12 months of WCW, that would have been quite the warm embrace if that had happened. But uh, spoiler alert, 2000 exists. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. And you didn't even get to see the end of the year out with Kiss. <laughs> oh, that was scrapped months before. Uh, just to tell you the other shows for December 99 here on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago Wingding. WWF looking at Armageddon, ECW for December 99 TV with Chris. And, oh my goodness me, I mentioned it at the top of the show, and I know you mentioned it too, Chris, but it bears repeating for a third time our end of year review awards show, which let's just say it goes off. Do you think it's fair to describe that one that way? It, it got heated. 
It's it it's happened, everybody. It happened. You know, normally so mild mannered the five of us, but I tell you what, it's tempers flare, and uh, do check that one out if you haven't already. But it was great, great fun. And by all means, find us on Twitter and Facebook and argue about our choices for the awards, as I'm sure you will do. But I said thank you for all your support through this year for all our shows, everybody who's joined us for a show. If you, this is the first time you've listened or the 200th time you've listened, we thank you so much for taking part of this, taking hours out of your life just to talk about retro wrestling from 20 years ago. I know when you break it down like that, it doesn't seem much, but it's our own little world. You're a very welcome part of it. And we're going to keep rolling into the year 2000. Until then, my name is Rory McNamara. and from Chris Lacey. Goodbye. That's Scott Hall. That's the outsider. The outsider. And and Scott Hall has a baseball bat in his hand. So does Nash. Now, what are they doing here? Both men are tied up in the figure four. They are just sitting down. Oh, they're beating Goldberg with the bats. Nash is handing a ball back to Bret Hart. What the hell? Oh, there's a swerve going on here, guys. Oh, no. Of all people. Nash was talking how Goldberg got screwed. I never thought it would be Bret Hart. I have to understand this. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. Piper's back. When did Piper's come out? And he gets hit with a bat. But look at Piper, he's covering Goldberg's body with his own body. He's sacrificing and taking those blows for Goldberg. Piper, he's shielding Goldberg's body with his own body. And the bad sounds, I think Bret Hart has won the world title. He got the one, two, three. You're right, Tony. And now Jeff Jarrett's in. The Piper keeps going back to protect Goldberg. Oh, no. Good night. Brett is the new champion. That's the ruling from the official. Now what? What is this all about? They're all got a can. It looks like paint. There's a couple of cans of paint. Red Hart stayed in the ring. Piper tried to save him, but it was too late. They were on him both at the same time. Piper made an effort, though. He went there, threw his body over Goldberg. I've never seen that before. Never. The silver paint. That's, my God, that's the letters of the NWO.
together. I guess they are. And there's the music. And we ever think we'd see this again? Never. We never. never saw it coming. And look at Hart. But people aren't going to like the music they're playing. I can't believe what I'm saying. Ah! We're going to try to clear this up on Where are they going now? 
win in a minute, you're going to arrive at a hotel. They drive off of the car. This has been all NWO. Swerve, set up, carnage, scam. I love it. I love it. What a way to end. Yeah, but what are they, here? What are they doing? Where are they going here? Our camera's following in the back. Bret Hart and Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner in the backseat. Jarrett driving. Where were they sent Brett? Sid Vicious is unconscious in the car. Trying to get out. Thank you.